another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I am Dr. Bill Pinaski coming at you from Omaha, Nebraska. It is cold. It is snowing outside. I am uh, at a conference. I'm at a trucking conference and I am going to give a speech in roughly 90 minutes. So about 400 people. So I'm very excited about that. We're going to be talking a little uh, nuclear verdict talk more about nuclear settlement. Okay, That's really the bigger issue. And I'm really looking forward uh, to that. But I had some time to kill. I figured, hey, I'm in my hotel room. I am going to crank out a quick podcast for our audience. And we love the audience. I love the audience. I get calls every week about this podcast. And I, I love getting calls about the podcast. It's This is uh, true and dear to my heart. And I love doing this. Great way to disseminate information. Really, really have fun doing it. And uh, I hope it provides you value. Okay. Now, speaking of value, I'm going to go on my rant right now. And this is to help you. Okay. Life lesson right here. Okay. Everybody listen up. Do not, under any circumstance, loan money to a friend or a family member. Let me repeat that. Under any circumstance, do not loan money to a friend or a family member for two reasons. Number one, you are never seeing this money again. Let me make that clear. You are never seeing that money again. Okay? You're 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 not loaning money. You are giving away money. Let's get let's get that straight. Number two, in your failed efforts to collect the loan that you gave out to your friend or family member, that relationship is now going to be ruined. They're going to avoid you. It's a nasty breakdown. See, amygdala hijack. You get emotional. You start to feel guilty. See, can't do that. You got to have that prefrontal cortex. It's like witness prep, right? Witnesses get emotional. They do dumb things. They say dumb things. You get emotional, particularly in the form of guilt, you do dumb things. Okay, I'm trying to save your money, folks. If you have a friend or family member in need, there are other ways around this. Loaning them money is not the way to go. Okay, contact me for further questions and comments about that. What are we going to talk about today? Okay, quick podcast, quick podcast. Okay, I have heard for 20 years and now I continue. See, trials are now starting to pick up. So I'm doing a lot of trial prep right now, a lot of witness prep, a lot of uh, mock trials uh, to prepare for trial, and a lot of uh, jury selection consultation, voir dire development strategy, right? And attorneys, you, you have got this all wrong. I've been telling you, you, I've been telling you this for years, okay? That that you cannot use demographic variables as selection criteria for most of these jury selections, okay? There's a slight number that you can in very specific cases, that's a different podcast, but generally speaking, you can't do that. The number one I think I hear now, so trials are picking up, right? This, this COVID backlog that we have is now take, now starting to pick up 
Judges are pushing these things to the courtroom. So now everybody's flipping out and they're calling me constantly asking for consultation or, you know, advice. I got a but several friends that are trial attorneys that call me, hey, can I, I talk to you for 15 minutes? This is what I'm thinking, right? And every single time I hear the same thing from a defense attorney, I want smart analytical jurors. Those jurors are good for me. Okay, well, newsflash, not necessarily. Okay, when you start breaking up, right, you break up pro-plaintiff jurors, okay, what they look like. And then you you look at these other group of people, which are pro-defense jurors. At the end of mock trials, at the end of real trials, you divide those two groups up, okay? Intelligence achievement job achievement okay is evenly distributed amongst those two groups yet you defense counsel think that this is really really important when i just told you it's evenly spread out amongst the groups along with race along with age along with sex Think about that. Yet you're, I got to have analytical, smart jurors. Okay. Let me give you a newsflash about really smart, intelligent jurors. You know, people that are very successful. My favorite, oh, engineer, I want engineers. I want an engineer. They're so analytical. They can understand my case. Okay. Here's the quote. Ready? Analytical equals hypercritical. See? These smart people, the ones that you so deeply desire to have your jury full of, have the ability to get into the weeds of your case and rip you a new one. Okay? These smart people can be four, four persons, right? They, they can rip you apart and have the communication skills to influence others. It's not that simple. And that's where I see defense counsel making the most mistake. They pick a few variables like, I want these types of jurors. I want these types of jurors. I want these types of jurors. It's not how it works, folks. It's a constellation of factors, okay, which is primarily fueled by non-demographic factors, okay? Attitudes, belief systems, personal experiences, personality types. That's what predicts behavior and decision-making. Okay. Not someone's job status. Not how smart somebody is. Not how much they've achieved. I always see this. But defense counsel like, oh, wow. This person is white. They're in their 50s. They're a manager at their job. They're very successful. Oh, they're, re they're Republican. I, that's the juror I want. Well, guess what? When you look at that person and you look at hundreds of trial outcomes, and again, you look at you look at plaintiff verdicts, you look at defense verdicts, all that washes out. It's not a predictive factor. It's not a predictive factor. So when you're going into your jury selection strategy meetings with your litigation team, you better start digging deeper, okay? You better have voir dire questions tapping into what's this person's attitude 
to certain to towards certain um, variables or things, right? Attitude is largely unchangeable. Belief systems largely unchangeable. Meaning, if they have an attitude or belief system against your industry or your client, okay, very very difficult to change, regardless of what they hear. So that's what you should be assessing. Attitudes and belief systems, top, top two predictors, okay? But there's other things, right? Uh, people's personal experiences. But that's not enough. It's not enough. Do they still have an ax to grind? Do they still have a chip on their shoulder? Or are they over it? Okay? Have they boycotted companies before? Because they were, they were angry at one of their experiences. Are they still boycotting? Okay. Or do they have a bad experience and they just blew, eh, screw it, whatever. Okay. People react very differently to those things. So it's not just the experience. Even if it's a negative experience, people get over things. All right. Personality types. Okay. Psychological factors. Things like cynicism. Okay. Someone's dogmatic. Okay. These are, these are people that you're not changing their mind if they side against you. Okay, these are the predictive factors, and you need an expert to help you to design Vordir questions or supplemental juror questionnaire questions to tap into those variables because that's what's going to give you the true factors behind whether someone's most likely gonna start off pro plaintiff, start off or start off pro defense. These things like intelligence, job status. Are you a manager? Are you blue collar? Okay. You black, you white, you Hispanic. None of that in the vast majority of cases really pans out. And you should not be making uh, <laughs> your, you, you should not be uh, selecting jurors to be struck uh, based on those things. Uh, or you may end up with a nuclear verdict on, uh, on your hand. Now, the importance of mock trial research feeds into this process because then I get more case specific data that you can form that, you know, you want a pro plaintiff juror profile, right? Well, there's a generic profile that I know about because I've been doing this for 20 years and it's changed a little bit, but largely it's the same. And that really goes across, you know, any cause of action, any case that's there, but it's generic and it's overall, it's more generalized. What you want to do is have that, but then get additional criteria from your mock jury research. Figure out statistically what types of factors are influencing people's decision-making on your particular case in your particular venue. And then those factors that you find there add in to the generalized criteria. So as trials start to get going here again, and you're back to picking juries, maybe something you haven't done in three years. Thank you, COVID, right? You may really want to think about this. You may want to hire an expert. If you do hire an expert, do I want you to hire courtroom sciences? Absolutely. Uh, you may have somebody else at a different company that you use, and that's fine. But I would say, I would highly argue, you need somebody with um, competence, competence and experience, um, if you're going to use somebody that does not have an advanced degree in psychology, um, I'm not really sure how they could 
help you besides giving you their gut feelings or instincts. And we know those, those aren't really accurate, right? Um, hire somebody that has the experience, hire somebody that has the competence and training to help you on developing questions that are going to tap into those attitudes, those belief systems, and uh, you know, personality types, things like that. And if you are going to assess somebody's personal experiences with a company or an industry, you got to dig really deep to see, are they still ticked off? Are they still ticked off? Do they still have an ax to grind? Do they still have that big chip on their shoulder? Or is this something that maybe they were upset at first and they forgot about it? It's not a big deal to them. And everybody's different, right? But the person with the chip on their shoulder, bad, 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 bad. But the person with the bad experience from the past that has gotten over it, usually not bad. Okay, but those are things that you gotta know. And you gotta ask those follow-up questions to get there. So um, quick podcast today. I have to go give a speech. This, remember, do not, let me repeat, do not loan money to your friends or your family because you will never see that money again. And that relationship is going to be over faster than your head could spin. This is the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I'm Dr. Bill Kanaski. We'll see you next time.